for that. Well, ready for the understatement of the year? There's a lot going on in our country right now. There's a lot going on in our country right now. States, communities, families, and individuals are still trying to navigate the COVID-19 terrain. There are a great many of thoughts, perceptions, and opinions surrounding all of this. So many of the news stations and media outlets are biased to the point that you don't know who's telling the truth. Do you know what I'm talking about? You don't know who has the real facts. The Continental Divide, when I was in high school, the Continental Divide was a geological landform out west. However, it more aptly describes the divisive political climate of today, which is only entrenched further by daily accusations and finger-pointing. Issues of racism are no longer sidebar conversations. They have taken front and center, center stage of the discussion in the streets and in the news and all over social media. Our brothers and sisters of color have put a voice to their pain that is now reverberating around the world. Protests have been both both peaceful and violent, as some have used this platform for their own agenda to loot and riot and bring havoc to the situation, overshadowing the main purpose for dealing with this matter constructively. With peace and justice both at stake right now, everyone is talking. Everyone is asking questions. As protests continue in cities across the country, it seems that the people that are asking, it seems like they haven't gotten the answers that they are expecting. One reason for this, I believe, is that so many people are expecting man and woman to have the answers that they're looking for to go forward. Yet most people are, who, are, who are looking for their answers, they're turning to people and they're, they're missing a foundational element in their lives. What is that foundational element? I want to begin on Proverbs, verse, Proverbs 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If, fear, if the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and most people don't even start there, how can we possibly expect to find the answers to the questions of today? I'll tell you, we must go to the Word. We must go to God to find our bearings. We must get direction from Him for going forward and to right our wrongs. We must not just talk about it. We must be willing to do what God calls us to do. Christianity does not describe who we are. It describes what we do. We are the arms and the feet and the voice of Jesus. We need to do what God calls us to do. We must also be open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit so He can enlighten our understanding of the truth. That begins by being willing to listen to Him. But if we go to God with our questions, we must be ready to receive and to respond however He replies, especially if it is different than what we are expecting. Therefore, in light of today's most pressing questions arising from our current crises in America, let us turn to the wisdom of Jesus when someone came to Him asking a question. Our passage today is going to be taken out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. I want to read a familiar passage, but I believe it is pressing um, and, a, and a word for today. Luke 10, verse 25. 
It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? See, often when we ask God questions, sometimes it seems like He doesn't give us an answer. Rather, He asks us another question that causes us to search a little bit deeper. His question will undoubtedly force us to examine the motives behind our questions. His questions are not for Him as much as they are for each of us. You see, the reason why so many people are so disconnected from God today is because they are waiting for answers instead of waiting for questions from God to push us deeper. Many times when we think God is not answering us or we even think He's ignoring us, He is simply waiting for us, waiting on us because He's asked us something to go deeper. He is waiting for us to answer His question. Notice here how He asks, what is your reading of it? In other words, what is your perspective? What are you taking away from it? How do you see it? A perspective changes everything. So much of Scripture is based not on intellectual understanding, but rather on seeing things from God's perspective, which can only happen when we ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and discernment. Today's division and challenges, and stalemate can only be remedied when we are willing to see things from God's perspective. Luke 10, verse 27. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He summed up the Old Testament law. Verse 28, And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. A simple question, a simple answer, but not a simple application. So many people say that God is so mysterious and hard to understand and that it's nearly impossible to find His will for our lives. But God doesn't see it that way. God is simply saying, let love be your guide and let love be your target so that everything that passes from you to others goes through the filter of God's love. That's how, that's how God is describing His love. Let me show it to you in a, a different way, as God explains it in His Word. Psalm 16, verse 8, says this, I have set the Lord always before me. You see, David, who, who wrote the Psalms through the inspiration of God, David learned that when we set the Lord always before us, He becomes that filter that conduit, and the direction of our offerings. We choose to set Him before us in all that we do. It's a daily choice to get up and to see the world. We have to choose to set the Lord before us. Think about it. How would it change how you reacted and treated others if you knew that everything you gave and everything you said went to God first before going to someone else? If it went to God and through God before it went to someone else? In actuality, this is what Jesus is trying to say about love. Would you be doing and saying half the things you do if they were intended first for your Heavenly Father? Would you be liking and sharing posts on Facebook if you knew the first recipient of your message was God? Would you be making comments about others or situations or events if you knew that God would be hearing them first because He is? 
We see the simple truth several times throughout Scripture. 1 Corinthians 10.31 These have to be more than just neat Bible sayings that we say and memorize. They have to be a part of ingrained in who we are. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. If all we need to do is to change our filter and to change our perspective, then why do so many people get it wrong? I'll tell you why. It's because something has worked its way into our souls. Let me share an analogy with you. One of my best friends and closest brothers in the Lord is a commercial diver who repairs dams. Consequently, he had told me about all these problems with the dams a few years ago, and now we see the mess that we're in. But that's what he does. He goes around Michigan and repairs the dams. A few years ago, he he was called in to fix a problem with the wicket gates on one of the dams. Does anybody know what a wicket gate is? Okay, a couple of you. All right, I'm going to explain to you what a wicket gate is. The wicket gates are a system of doors, so it's a circular turbine, and a, and a circle of doors that go around the turbine, these system of doors open and close to let the flow of water in as the water comes from the lake into the dam to control the amount of water depending on how much uh, load is on the system, how much electricity they need. And so what had happened is as, as, this work, as this works, the water comes from the lake down these penstock pipes, and they go into the turbine through the wicket gates. Well, there's a, there's a lot of debris that floats in the water, and sometimes there's big logs and stuff, and to keep that stuff out from the dam, there's trash racks that keep that stuff out. Well, in this particular dam, the trash racks are broken, so a big log came down, and it, and it lodged itself in one of the wicket gates. Well, the problem was even worse because all the wicket gates are all connected. If one, if one wicket gate stays open, they all stay open. They open and close, depend upon one another. And so if this problem were not fixed, all the water would have been drained from the lake. There would have been an overload on the system and another catastrophe. So he was called in to remove this log that had lodged itself in the wicket gate. Why am I talking about wicket gates? Because there are things in this world that get past our line of defense at times, and they work their way into our souls, affecting our thoughts and our words and our actions. Two of the most common types of debris that put an overload on our system and affect our output are pride and ignorance. Pride continues to try to work its way into our souls. It thwarts our attempts to be vulnerable before God. It thwarts our attempts to admit and to confess our sinful thoughts and motivations and actions. Pride keeps us from fully coming to Jesus and fully repenting so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Ignorance, which is an extension of pride, prevents us from even beginning the process of self-examination to see where we have missed it with God and with others. Ignorance tells us that there's nothing wrong with our perspective. It prevents us from loving our neighbor as ourselves, as God has commanded us to do. Both pride and ignorance have worked their way into the minds of too many people today. This is why daily repentance, as we talked about last week, 
Daily repentance and spending time in His Word and in prayer are so powerful and so necessary. In doing so, we keep our trash racks in work in order to protect our minds and hearts and keep anything from affecting the flow between us and God and the flow between us and others in the world. But this is only possible if we allow and invite the Holy Spirit to lead us on a self-examination into our hearts and minds. To help us identify pride and ignorance, how they have lodged in themselves into our wicked gates, and thus affecting our perspective. We are, as God commands us to, we are to fully love the God, fully love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. These two commands are connected, just like the wicked gates. We cannot do one and neglect the other or our whole system will be compromised. Yet this is exactly what is plaguing the world today. Too many people are fooling themselves into thinking that they are loving God and loving their neighbor according to their definition of a neighbor. This is exactly what is exemplified in our passage with this lawyer talking to Jesus. Luke 10.29 The lawyer, he wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now we come to the crux of the problem. If you have to ask this question of God, then you have something stuck in your personal wicket gate that is affecting the flow of God's love to you and through you and into the lives of others. If you are not clear on who your neighbor is, then understand that this is your personal bias working against the will of God. This is your line of distinction that you have drawn or that your flesh has drawn. Our flesh always wants to draw this line so it can let pride and ignorance and human logic into the conversation. But Jesus never drew this line. In fact, He commanded us to love our brother and our neighbor and even our enemy. We see here in this lawyer's response the same thing that our flesh continually tries to do. We try to justify our thoughts and our responses and our actions. See that? Here, wanting to justify himself. He says, who is my neighbor? The lawyer's question suggests that there must be some to whom the obligation to love does not apply. Thus seeking to set a limit on our command to love. Pride and ignorance cause us to wrongfully judge others as being unworthy of love. Let me ask you, are we so far away from the cross of Calvary that we have forgotten that we are to follow the example of God to love freely as He extends His love to all? John 3.16 We know this verse. We have to live this verse as we live the, the Bible. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's good news, amen? amen? Listen, God did not look down at the world and base His offer of love on whether or not He thought we deserved it or not. It's a good thing. Because the truth is that none of us deserve that love. We all have sinned but He extends it freely to every one of us. Yet, God also has great patience with all of us, even as Jesus showed with this lawyer's question of, who is my neighbor? 
So understanding this man's skewed perspective, Jesus didn't condemn him. Rather, He began to teach him. The same thing He does with us if we stay engaged with Him and listen to Him. We continue, Luke 10, verse 30. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Why would these two men pass by? Especially if they were religious men. Well, they were more interested in following the ceremonially clean laws than in helping someone in need. They served the letter of the law rather than the heart of the message that Jesus came to teach. This is why Scripture warns against this very action. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. You know, many times we forget that. We think that we have the new covenant to enjoy, but God says, I've made you ministers, which means I need you to administer my new covenant in the world. It's not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The reason why Jesus instituted the new covenant was because the Pharisees had all been following the letter of the law rather than the Spirit. Why did they do this? Because just like that log that worked itself into the wicket gate, pride and ignorance had worked its way into their lives. Think about it. If you change the law into how well you follow the letter of it, it creates a contest to compare yourself against others about who is best. This is human nature, and it is the exact opposite of God's heart. But before you begin to judge the Pharisees, be cautioned that we are susceptible to those same logs of pride and ignorance. And likewise, before you step into judgment about the priest and the Levite in this parable, we best hold our tongues. Because if truth be told, we pass by helpless people on a daily basis and do nothing for them. How do we do that, you might say? Let me ask you a question. Would you walk past a burning building knowing that someone was still inside, and knowing that there was a way for you to lead that person out safely. Would you keep walking? Would you just keep walking and say it's none of your business? Would you say it's not your job? It's the fireman's job. Or would you say the person doesn't really want help? Would you say, I'm afraid that person might reject my help, and it would be too painful for me to bear that rejection? Of course not. None of us would say any of those things. But then why do we daily walk by people that don't yet have the keys to eternal life? That are searching all over the place, looking for an answer, looking for hope, especially in times like this. We have the answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. Many people have yet to hear and to receive the truth about Jesus. Some have been been sold a perverted gospel thinking that the Gospel is about making more money or, 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 or any other perversion that's out there. But the Gospel is about love, about hope, especially in these times. There are many people who have not heard about our Jesus, our wonderful Savior. 
knowing that He alone holds the keys to eternal life. And that He forgives when we turn from sin and acknowledge Him. That He actually comes alongside us and helps us live a victorious life. That He is our only hope in times like these. But what do we do too often instead? We say it's none of our business. It's not our job. Or if they want help, they'll come to us. They'll come to church if they want help. Besides, what would happen if I started to share Jesus and what would happen if they rejected my offer? You see, the proper perspective changes everything. If you see people as if they were in need of rescue, you would run into burning buildings rather than run away from them. You would run to people in need of peace right now instead of passing by and hoping that someone else will help them. You would go to God and say, God, use me. Send me. Let me be an instrument of your peace. How do you do that? We have to be obedient to God. I was cutting the grass last week. God put on my heart and He said, I want you to do something. What's going on in the world right now? And I said, I don't know what to do. He said, I want you to find a a black church in the area down in Bay City where I live, and I want you to, to contact them. I, I, I don't know anybody. So I, I contacted them online. A few days later, the pastor, who's from Saginaw, a larger church, contacted me. He said, hey, I, I got your thing. You, you said you want to get there and talk. And I said, yes. He said, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, what, what's, what's, what's your agenda? What, what kind of things do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, what, what's your plan? What, 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 what kind of plan do you have? And I said, I'm going to tell you the truth. I felt God told me to call you, and I have no idea. I'm just planning on letting the Holy Spirit guide our conversation because I believe the answer is going to rise out of the church and out of the political, out of the government. Yes. So he said, okay, I'll meet you on Monday. I have a meeting with him on Monday. They're doing a food giveaway, and I'm going to go down there and spend some time with him and listen to, listen, uh, to my brother in Christ. I, and, and, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying sometimes we don't do things because we, don't, we think we don't have it all figured out. And God's saying, would you just trust and obey? Trust and obey and I will give you the words and I will let, I, I will let my love show through your heart. We don't have to have it all figured out. We need to listen. We need to be part of the answer. Part of the solution. And we can do that through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Luke 10.33 But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Listen, it doesn't take a doctor or a wise man or a priest. All it takes is compassion and the willingness to do something, to put feet to our prayers, to give voice to our meditations, to step up and to stand out for Jesus, to give to people who need the light of Jesus in today's darkness. Luke 10.34 So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. We must come alongside our brothers and our sisters and listen to them and stand with them. The Samaritan first met his needs by stopping the bleeding. And then he shared his own provisions and brought him to a place of comfort. He gave him a place where he could continue with his healing. Luke 10.35 on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. See, he made sure that the man would be surrounded by others that would help him and continue to help him. And then he departed. But he also shared 
that he would return again to check on the matter. God is calling all of us to return again, to check on our brothers and our sisters, to follow up on our prayers, and to come alongside one another in unconditional love, the same love that God showed for us and continues to show for us. Jesus teaches that love is not a matter of theoretical discussion, but a practical demonstration. Luke 10.36 So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? You see, love does not judge the worthiness of the one being loved. It simply responds to human need. Oh, how our efforts would change if we simply responded to human need. For everyone needs Jesus. Luke 10.37 And He said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Jesus speaks these same words to us. If you are feeling convicted or, or in, empowered by God, He's saying to us, go and do likewise. Don't dwell on what you haven't done. We've all messed up. Every one of us. But we have a God who gives us grace. He says, go and do likewise. What are you willing to do to cause your love for others to be authentic in this time? Our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors are hurting right now. We need to reflect the light of Jesus in our world today. It is the only answer to today's challenges. It is our time to listen to them, to extend mercy, to go and to do likewise. Heavenly Father, we pray that You would bless us, that You would convict us where, we're, where we've been off, that You would do a work in us and challenge us. We pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would bring us together in unity, for such a time as this. And so we come to you right now. We focus not on all the problems. We focus on the answer. Jesus, you are the answer.